0: Welcome in, welcome aboard a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you up until 2 o'clock on this Wednesday afternoon. 315 437 7644. The telephone number 2880644 on the text line or on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse at Seth Goldberg17 at Stephen Fonte, NC9. Steve, plenty to get to. Uh, you know, we were just talking during the Open. There was an alert that came down on, on the ESPN app saying Sean Miller got uh, got caught on a wiretap that he paid DeAndre Ayton $10,000 a month while he was at Arizona. We can certainly dive into that coming up a little bit later. Uh, the... It's it's interesting, and, and I don't know that you noticed this, but for some reason the Daniel Jones thing has, has popped up again this morning, and it just seems to be like this never-being-put-out be, fire that just keeps growing larger and larger, so we can get to that in a little bit. Um, but let's start here. Let's start with Syracuse basketball and something that we did not get to uh, in yesterday's show from the Adrian Autry show on Monday night, Steve. Um, we talked about Ty's battle and what... Uh, Red thought of him, we talked about O'Shea Brissett, what Red thought of his NBA prospects and, and his NBA, uh, let's call it an elevator pitch for lack of a better term. Um, but I found this quote really interesting and this clip pretty interesting when I was listening back to the show and and, and trying to cut some stuff up. Um, this is about kind of the, the Syracuse zone and the perception that that can hurt Syracuse prospects because um, they don't really know what to do defensively. Let's play it and then we'll talk about it afterwards.
2: I'm sure they try to use it, but, you know, uh, I think when someone uses that, that's just an excuse. They don't want to say what it really is. It hasn't stopped Michael Carter Williams. The reason why Michael Carter Williams is still in the NBA right now is not because of his offense. It's because of his defense. Sure. It's because of his attacking, getting into the lane. Jeremy Grant is one of the best shot blockers at his position. You know, uh, so we've we've had guys, you know, Wesley Johnson, he's been in the NBA for 10, 11 years. It doesn't seem like it stopped him. You know, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony ought to be one of the greatest NBA players. You know, I mean, people use that. I think they hide behind it, you know, just saying, hey, you know, we, we, we want to go in another direction. So they'll try to say, well, you know, we haven't really seen him right. play zone. But I, like I tell anybody, good defense is good defense. You know, if you can't play defense and, man, I mean, if you can't play good defense and, man, what makes you think you can be a good defender in the zone? Sure because our zone really has a lot of man-to-man principles and closing out and keeping people in front of them. So, again, when people say that, that's just, you know, I think it's an excuse.
0: I thought this was interesting to to actually hear him talk about this and kind of address it because uh, we, we hear this thrown around so much when it comes to the NBA draft of, well, those guys played the zone. You don't know what they can do, you know, once, you, once they get back into a man-to-man situation. Um, everybody in the world knows how to play man-to-man defense. Right, like every player who comes to Syracuse knows how to play man-to-man defense because they play man-to-man for the what ninety-five percent of their life leading up to their time at Syracuse. Um, and like Red said at the end, uh, you've got man-to-man principles. Uh, you're still guarding a guy one-on-one once they do get into your zone of the court. Um, I tend to think, and and I think that the you know not not to put words in in Coach Autry's mouth, but I tend to think that this is a an overblown kind of thing with Syracuse and and it seems like that's what uh, Coach Autry was saying there.
3: Yeah, I've never bought that that reasoning that, you know, NBA teams shy away from the Syracuse guys because of the questions about whether or not they can play play defense. And and you said it right there. I mean, before they get to Syracuse, let's face it, guys are playing man to man, right? Throughout seventh grade, ninth grade, you know, varsity, um, you know, you're you're playing man to man primarily. You're gonna play a little zone here and there, you know, during high school, okay. But you're playing man to at, man at the park. You know when you're playing pickup, you're playing man to man. These are world class athletes, guys that are being drafted by NBA teams. If you are one of the sixty that is getting selected, you are a world class athlete. And if Accurate. you are if you are a world class athlete, then you can defend one on one. You can you can defend the guy who has the ball in front of you. Now you know in the NBA. So much of it is is defending the pick and roll, and if you didn't have to do that a lot in college, is there a learning curve? You know, even the guys that they go and they play at, you know, Duke for instance, or, or Michigan State. You know, schools that you know primarily play man to man defense. Although Duke played a lot of zone this year, but you, you know what I'm saying? Schools Dude, that Duke primarily... has the past couple of years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Teams that play primarily man to man, like those guys, might struggle in the pick and roll sets in the NBA if they're not used to defending those, and that's something you can learn. But again, if you are a world class athlete. You could be taught that, um, so I've never bought that reasoning that NBA teams shy away from the Syracuse guys. Now, do I think that there's you know do I think there's some negative recruiting going on out there um, among the college coaches that you know don't go to Syracuse because that's going to hurt your stock at the next level because all they do is play zone and teams want to know that that you can defend man to man. I bet that goes on, but I don't know how much of of that is heard you know by the the players when they they go pro and they're talking to NBA scouts. Um, As Coach Autry said, if they are hearing it, I think it's an excuse. It's something else. There's something else about your game they don't like or they like somebody else better, but is the deciding factor really going to be, well, you played zone in college? I I really don't think so.
0: and, And Steve, especially in 2019, in this era of college basketball, right, does it really matter what you do? It's not... Um, it's not 1991 anymore. It's not Derek Coleman coming out of college and having played four years here. It's you know it's, it's not Christian Laettner coming out of Duke and having played four years there. Um, that's not what we're doing anymore. We're we're not we're not sending kids to the NBA the same way. So, congratulations, Michael Carter Williams played two years in his own defense. Awesome. Like you think he forgot how to play man to man? Like no, he's stuck in the NBA um and certainly not cuz he's been a scoring threat, certainly not because his shot has gotten better. Really because he's Defending people and and he can, and he's long and lanky and athletic and he could stick with people. You know, West Johnson has managed to stay in the NBA. Why? Because he's a he's a reliable defensive player and and somebody who can knock down an open three. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant has stayed in the NBA. Why? Because he can dunk and he can defend people. You know, like it it, it doesn't seem to matter. And I, and I think that nowadays when when you're drafting. Near everybody who's only spent a year or two at college, rather than three or four, or or maybe even more, as as was the case in in you know previous times in previous years, um, what they played in college, the system they were a part of in college, should matter even less in theory than it ever has.
3: Michael Carter Williams holds the single season record at Syracuse for most steals in a season. 111 steals his sophomore year, uh, ten more than than the guy who's next on the list, and that's that's Jason Hart. Um, he was a good defender in college, even though he was playing you know the zone. That Coach Altree's right has a lot of man to man principles. But again, if you are if you're a good defender, you're a good defender. Michael Carter Williams was a very good defender when he was at Syracuse, and he's gone to the NBA, and that's been one of his calling cards. You know, he's long, he's athletic, and and he has the ability to defend. Not a great shooter. He he wasn't a great shooter at Syracuse. He's certainly not a great shooter in the NBA. That is his his major weakness. But he does have the ability to penetrate and get to the basket and set up his teammates. And he can defend. and And because of that, now he's getting almost a, a second chance in his NBA career. When you know it looked like he might be out of the league, the Magic give him a chance. And he makes the most of that opportunity down the stretch of the season and, and early into the playoffs. And and now um, he set himself in you know set himself up. I think in, in um, good shape to to stay with that team and to stay in the NBA. I think he showed that that he can play. Um, but it's certainly not because he, he knocks down the open shot. So it, just to kind of come full circle with this this conversation, yeah, I I don't think that's holding Syracuse guys back. And and maybe it was at one time. You know, maybe, maybe it was. And and as you said, maybe. When guys were going to school for three or four years, yeah, maybe it was a little bit of a drawback, but it really isn't anymore.
0: When Tyler Ennis spends eight months in a system, you yeah. think he forgot how to do everything he did prior? No, no. Um, you know, and and so I just thought it was interesting to actually hear him talk about that. And, and, and we, oh, we by the way, we don't typically even like you know in in season we're not asking about that and, and the NBA prospects of it. The fact that we got um, you know the the last game was <laughs> on you know March eighteenth. The last coaches' show was on. April 29th you know we got away from the season a little bit we can ask you know something like this and talk about this um You know, it it seems like the coaches don't believe that that is something that is held against people. And and there's no reason really to, like, I I don't think there's really reason to believe that that's being held against Syracuse guys.
3: And and oh, by the way, when they're going through the draft process, you know, what are they doing? They're playing three on three a lot. That's man to man during the combine. They're playing, you know, they're not playing 2 3 zone when they go to the combine and they scrimmage. So the scouts are seeing these guys defend, um, you know, in the, in the, Private workouts, you know, the three on three workouts in the combine setting, and, and so you know any perception that may exist or or any doubts that may exist about these guys and whether or not they can defend at the next level, they have a chance to answer those questions exactly. during during the draft process. So I, again, I, I think it's used against Syracuse players and used against Syracuse. In the recruiting process, I don't know how much it's used against Syracuse players. You know, as they as they try to get to the next level.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's used against them coming in. I don't think it's used against them going out. Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. And, and I think that that's a fair thing. Um, also, should note. NBA teams are playing zone more than ever. Um, not not that you know that that's a benefit to Syracuse. I, I have no idea. I, I really don't. I think it's a non-factor it's, again. It's, if you're a good defender right. in the
3: zone, you, generally you're a good defender in I the man. Just,
0: I just think it's interesting that that NBA teams are now starting to use zone more than ever, and and you know how how that changes what they are looking for you know in in players
3: and, and again i'll go back to if you're being drafted or if you're under consideration to to join an nba team you are a world class athlete and world class athletes can be taught things and so even if you're not comfortable in the pick and roll setting or playing man to man those are things that that you can work on just like you would work on your jump shot you know or your low post game if you're a, you know, if you're a big guy you can work on your defense and, of course. and if you're that high quality of an athlete my guess is you're, you're going to be able to learn that and you're going to be able to get better at it. So I don't buy that at all. I think if, you know, to, to Coach Autry's point, if if teams are using that, it is an excuse. There's something yes. else about that player that they don't like. I, I don't think that, you know, the fact that a particular player has a has a history of playing zone defense and not man-to-man, that's that's not the deciding factor whether or not they they get on the roster.
0: How bad, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this, how stupid a thing must they not like about a player to use that as the excuse? Like, that's a pretty weak excuse for not liking
3: a player. So what's the real reason that they are using that weak an excuse? You're not good enough and, you know, you don't do anything exceptionally well. What, well, what, yeah, do, we, what do we say all the time? You know, you need to, to do something exceptionally well to play in this league, to set yourself apart from, you know, from somebody else. Um, so, you know, that... If you don't do something exceptionally well, then you start nitpicking, you know. And okay, so it's you know your defense isn't good enough, or your shooting's not good enough. Again, we, we talked about this yesterday with Tyus Battle. That that is the reason right now. It's not Tyus' defense; it's the fact that he can't consistently make that three-point shot. And if he can improve upon that and can show that during the workouts, all it takes is one team, you yep. know. Mike Waters spoke right. with Gary Battle yesterday. He said he's he's planning on working out between ten to fifteen teams. So that's uh, fifteen teams would be half the league. All it takes is one, one of those teams in half the league to be like, you know what, I'm going to give this this guy a shot. And as we know with Dave Gettleman, sometimes all it takes is threes, you know, or exactly. maybe a, a really. He just
0: needs one rack of basketball. One, I was just going to say <laughs> one really impressive
3: shooting drill for somebody to fall in love with him and be like, you know what, I'm taking that guy at the end of the second round.
0: Uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back. We'll talk SU football. Uh, you guys are over at Channel Nine caught up uh, with Jamal Custis, so we'll hear from uh, from him coming up uh, here in a little bit on Orange Nation.
3: This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg.
0: Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg, we bring in Tommy Hogan now here on Orange Nation. And uh, Tommy, you you told me we've got overreaction or not an overreaction today.
1: Yep, one of those will be the answer to one of these topics that I give you. All right, so, so first uh, one, fire away. CC Sabathia is a first ballot, no doubt, Hall of Famer. Uh,
0: overreaction. Okay. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think it's going to take more than one year. I think it could take him a little while. Uh, He's going to have to have his case made and massaged, and and then he'll get in. Uh, But he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's just not clear-cut. Interesting.
3: I agree with that 100%.
0: There's
1: 17 I, players that have had 3,000 strikeouts. The only two not in the Hall of Fame are Kurt Schilling and Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens, obviously, we know why he's not. Kurt Schilling. He's going he's to the, the Hall little... of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, he's okay. going
0: in. He's just not. like I. I don't think that they will make that distinction of being a first ballot, no doubt. He's also likely
1: to have 250 wins. He's going to have a yeah. World Series. No, I think I, he's first ballot. I think he's in.
0: I, he's in. He's not like I don't think that they were gonna. They are going to make that distinction to make him a first ballot Hall of Famer.
3: You know, and you, you mentioned the list, and and uh, let, let's get to that the the strikeout total that that he hit last night. Yes. Um. You know, you look at the list of of who's coming up, and it's it's not as rare as it used to be. I mean, there are a lot of guys on that list that are, are going to hit it. Yeah, you know? I
0: mean, Max Scherzer's at twenty five hundred. Yeah, like Scherzer's he's going to blow Kershaw, past it. Kershaw.
3: I mean, there, a lot of young guys on that list. I mean, those are first ballot Hall of Famers. They're
0: all better. They're both better Ugh. pitchers than they're both better pitchers than CC is. Have, oh, have but had, they can all be first battle Hall. Fan. No, that's but, fair. No, but those so guys have first had, Hall those, those guys have had far more distinguished careers than CC has, and and like when neither you, have rings. So uh, neither have rings. Kershaw has an MVP. Okay. Like Scherzer has multiple Cy Youngs. Like I, I think that that stuff matters more so than winning a World okay. Series. It just means that CC was on at one unbelievably good team. You know, and, and, I mean, Kershaw went to the World Series each of the last two yeah. years, pitched pretty well in the. You know, he, he's, he's known as a bad playoff okay, pitcher, but it, he's been better than that reputation the last two years in the postseason. I I agree with you. He hasn't been great, but he's been better than his reputation. I, like I I don't know. I, I think that those two specifically are better than CC Sabathia and have a better
3: chance of being first ballot guys. I I feel like you're offended that we're we're saying he's not a first ballot He it is caught me a, off guard. He is a Hall of Fame lock. So is is that not good enough? Isn't that isn't that high praise? Yeah, like I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think it's just going to take him a couple years. Like I I think that he is closer
0: to being the Mike Mussina guy who has to wait 2 or 3 mm. years than he is to than he is to being somebody who's a lock first ballot Hall of Famer. Wow. that's surprising me. I think he's
1: a lock first ballot. I don't I don't think there's much of an argument to not. I think you're vote wearing. Uh, I think you're wearing pinstripe I
3: glasses. I don't know. I, <laughs> it's I, it hard to see through pinstripe yeah, glasses.
0: I think, I think
1: it is. Uh, another Yankee topic: Gio Urshela should be the starting third baseman for the Yankees when they are fully healthy.
0: Overreaction. Um, like you, you put Miguel Andujar there when he's healthy. Uh, he's got his problems defensively, but you put Miguel Andujar there defensively. Yeah, it, it like does matter. I agree.
1: I agree. I think it's an yes. overreaction. Overreaction. Urshela, you said that to be funny. No no no, I, but it's a legitimate topic though in Yankee in Yankee world though as well. It really is cuz he Gio Rochelle has batted like 33350 right now. He's been in he's a he's a gold glove level third baseman. He's a very good defensive third baseman. Miguel Anduhar had his first rehab start or one of his first rehab starts last night. He had two errors went 0 for 2. It's a good problem to have. He's hitting 345 in
0: 58 at bats.
1: He's been very good, though. He's been a no, very he, good player. No, he has
0: been. And and look, I you know I, I've said this on on Yankees on deck. Um, coming into this year, he was like a two thirty ish career hitter. Um, if he hits somewhere around two seventy, he's got a place as an everyday player in the yeah. major leagues because he's so good defensively. That being said, um, I want Miguel and yeah. to play third base given his bat. So uh, I'm 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 putting Miguel back in the and back, and do we
3: really believe that he can keep that up? No, at the plate. no, not
0: that up. But I
1: think, like Seth said, if he can make it 270, 280, he's a legitimate everyday player in, in Major League Baseball.
0: Oh, I, absolutely. And and we talked about this. You know, it's it, it's like the numbers crunch that's going to sh- come up at some point. Um, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to lose Mike Talkman or the, yes. the Mike Talkmans or Gio Urshelas or or you know, uh, Cameron. Not that you care about Cameron Mabin, but no. you know, you, you you've got players on this roster right now that. You're gonna have to lose. Troy Tulowitzki's not, not, not just send them down to the minors, um, but you're gonna have to get them off the forty-man roster at some point, and somebody's gonna pick up Mike Talkman and Gio Urshela, and um, you know maybe even like a Mike Ford because they're gonna look at them and say, hey, they did some stuff for two weeks, it worked. Now, a quick spin on this: Miguel Andujar
1: seems to be the first player who will be back at, out of all these injured players, so. The DH is still an open position. Should Miguel our slide into the DH till Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Hicks are back and play Giovanni or Shell at third base every day?
0: I think that he then? should. I think that he should DH a lot because the thing that's going to make his injury worse is throwing, not yeah. hitting. So I think that really you know go a step further until Aaron Judge comes back okay you can leave him as the dh and you can put Giancarlo Stanton in right field Giancarlo Stanton's a, a, a an average to above average right fielder he, he's not bad out there so you know if if you put him in so right three field of them are you know each day and, and yeah until you need him at dh um, or need that dh position for somebody else i think that you can get away with Andujar dhing there a lot you know it, he doesn't have to do it every day but a lot
3: and if know? there's a silver lining to all these injuries it's that that, that they have developed their depth, right oh, yeah. and they, they've shown that the, that they have some depth and they have options, um, which is which is a good thing. you know you may need this at some point, you know in August and September and October. Um, you know, you may need guys to step up in key spots, or somebody goes down with injury, or somebody's in a slump, or whatever the case may be. So again, you, you don't want to have all these injuries, but since they've had to deal with them, they're making the most of it, and and they're developing some depth on this roster. Yeah, and
0: it, now you know that at some point, if you need if you need Tyro Estrada down at AAA, you can pull pull him up, or you know if you need something out of Tyler Wade, you can count on that. If you need you know Mike Talkman to come back up, you can you can count on that. Um, it's good to know that these guys can produce at a major league level, and at, at the very at least you're seeing that
3: it's good that the Yankees know it, and it's good that those players know yeah. it. They, they can work down a triple A, they can be motivated because hey, I got a taste, I know I can do it. And then when they get called up, the stage isn't going to be too big because they, the they, they already did it, and it and, they it's, belong.
0: and it's not bad that other teams know it, yeah. Fair point. Um, uh, moving on, Seth, you
1: moved that you are you mentioned this earlier in the show, but federal prosecutors on Wednesday now have played a recording to the jury of a phone call in which former Arizona assistant Book Richardson. Told aspiring agent Christian Dawkins that Wildcats coach, Arizona Wildcats coach Sean Miller, was paying DeAndre Ayton ten thousand dollars per month while he was enrolled there. So my overreaction, not overreaction, Arizona head coach Sean Miller needs to be fired yesterday.
0: Uh not an overreaction. Um he, he you know, and, and Steve and I were talking about this in a break. I feel I feel somewhat conflicted on this because like at the root of it, I don't have a problem with a kid getting paid. Right. Like, at the very root of it, I don't. Uh, but given that the rules are you can't pay a kid, you have to fire him. Um, given that the rules are you can't pay a kid, and this is being uncovered by the FBI, you have to fire him, right? And and given that he lied about this at, you know, a, a year ago, uh, you've got to get rid of him. So you have to get rid of him. Um, I guess the the thing that would ease my my kind of back and forth on this is at some point can we just figure out a way that we can pay the pay these kids and and then it's not a problem and they don't have to do shady things and get money under the table and do things that are illegal or you know borderline illegal to to get money.
3: I'm not conflicted about this at all. I, I that, that's the part I don't understand with 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 you, Seth. Like I understand the part about yeah they should be paid but this is a very black and white thing
0: right he has to be fired
3: yeah this is i was going to say borderline bribery it's it's not even really borderline like it is bribery yeah. that that's why the fbi is involved that's why this has become a big thing regardless of if you think the rule is is right or not or a law is you know oh it's only 45 miles per hour here i could go 55 like, no it's not up to you like the rules are the rules the laws are the laws and we are we are to follow them or if we don't there are consequences and Sean Miller is very much breaking the rules, and he needs to deal with the consequences. And the consequences are that he should be fired. And it's not his first offense. Yeah,
0: No, I, like I said, he he has to be fired. Um, but don't, I, get, the, don't be conflicted. No, in, in like, the, he no, knows what it, the rules are. Yeah, no, he knows what the rules are. My the, the I, I guess conflicted maybe is the wrong word, but just generally speaking let's change the rules and, and make it so that you don't have to do shady things and 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 you know go under the table to to, to pay people like let, let's allow them to to uh make money off of their own likeness and and to profit off of their name and their and their image and, and you don't worry about this like it you know yeah Sean Miller has to be fired yes will Wade has to be fired yes Rick Patino had to be fired uh there's no question about it uh but can't we also agree that you should just be figuring out a better way to go about this so that you don't have to bribe kids?
3: They're two very different topics. They're, they really are. They're two very different topics because, you know, we, we can discuss whether or not the athlete is compensated enough. And, and we're talking about the star athletes. So the star athletes, obviously, are not compensated enough. But across the board, you know, is the, the, third, yeah, string long, is. Is the third string long snapper compensated enough for playing football at a, at a major university? The answer is yes. You are talking about the first round draft picks. You are talking about DeAndre the DeAndre Aytons, which again that's a that's a small fraction of all the kids in college. So these are two separate two separate topics. Um, do I agree that you know for the stars they need to do a little bit more? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. You know, benefiting on their own likeness. I think that's a big step in the right direction. But there are even ways to cheat the system with that. And we've talked about this before. That if you can, if you can get paid for an autograph session, what's to say that some booster won't just you know pay a million dollars? You come here, I'll you know here's a million dollars for an autograph session. Whatever. They're going to bend the rules. The the schools with the most money are still going to get the players. That's why rules are in place. And in this situation. We know what the rules are. Can't pay the players, and and they're you know they're bribing these guys to to come. They're bribing their families, um, and, and it's not just with Aiton. I mean, it sounds like several guys you know that that were in the Arizona system oh, or recruits yeah. of Arizona, uh, Javon Quinterly uh, among them. That's why he you know decommitted from Arizona after all this went down and ended up going to Villanova. It didn't work out from there, so he's transferring again. But his not only was he going to get money, but his family was going to get money. His mom was going to get a job in Arizona. I mean, it's where does it end? So. He knew the rules. He blatantly had it. You know, he blatantly broke the rules. Now he needs to deal with the consequences. And to answer your question, Tommy, yes, he should be fired yesterday. You know,
0: um, I know we talked about this a little bit when this first kind of happened, what a year and a half ago almost, uh, with with Rick Pitino and, and when it all kind of started to come out. But do the dollar figures surprise you? Like, like think about that for a second. We, you know, we read that story about Sean Miller and paying DeAndre and and. It, it it certainly sounds like in the ESPN article it certainly sounds like 100 grand up front and 10,000 a month like yeah. That's a that's a lot of
3: money. And, is. Nas Reed at LSU reportedly right. was was getting three hundred thousand, right. like to go know, to LSU. You know,
0: look, I'm I'm not naive. I'm I'm not here saying that I don't think that people were getting paid this whole time, and and that there are probably people getting paid outside of this investigation that we don't know about because the NCAA has no power to really investigate these things. I think that people are getting paid, but I didn't think it was a hundred thousand dollars. I didn't think it was six figures. Like I I thought, okay, fine. Is it is it five grand? You know, over over the course of a year, is it is it seven grand over the course of a year? Like I never would have thought it was six figures, and and I think that's the thing that eighteen months later is still surprising to me. Like that, the numbers here are still
3: astronomical, um, as compared to where I thought they would be. What were the numbers that of uh, Chris Beard's contract at Texas Tech yesterday? That you told 4. us 4. about seven 5 a year. Okay, so roughly five million a year. So, in f- my sorry,
0: four point five seven a year.
3: Yeah. So, in my opinion, that's. That's a big reason, right? Because these coaches have so much to gain. So if you are at an LSU or, and I'm not suggesting Chris Beard's doing anything, I was going to say Texas Tech, but I won't use that as an example. So say you're at LSU um, and you're not North Carolina or Duke or Kansas and you're trying to get these players, doesn't doesn't it benefit you as the head coach to figure out a way to get some stud to come and play for you? You know, because yes, it does. It shows sure. that, you know, if he can win at LSU, my God, you know, he can he can, you know, win anywhere. And and now all of a sudden he cashes in and, you know, five million a year, whatever the case may be. So if you're paying two hundred thousand dollars to get a kid there, it's a great investment for you as right. a head coach. Sure. Because it makes you look good and then you'll cash in down the road. It's the same thing in, in baseball with the, the PED use, Absolutely. with the guaranteed contracts. The risk You know, isn't isn't as bad as the reward. You can you can cash in. You cheat. You cash in if you're Melky Cabrera. Then you get caught afterwards, and you still get paid
0: because it's a beautiful system. Yeah, because it took the FBI to figure this out, right? Like it it took like like let's let's just go back to the root of this. It took the FBI to figure this all out, like. We all assumed this was happening, but it took the FBI to actually blow the top off of this and, and say, "Hey, yeah, this is happening. Like, here's all your evidence." Like, and and to your point, the risk out, outweighs uh, the reward outweighs outweighs the risk. If I could speak correctly, the the reward outweighs the risk because you know the NCAA can't really do anything about this. Like, they just don't have the resources to actually go and 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 do anything.
3: I'm frankly surprised that Sean Miller has lasted this long. The The, the damning evidence that came out in, Last on him already. Year and too no, much. I, I've never paid for yeah. a player. It was yeah.
0: the same evidence that came out today. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was the same evidence. Right.
3: It was a wiretap. And, and,
0: and, and Mark Schleyball from ESPN got vilified and crushed and killed for it, and yet here we are a, a, a year
3: plus later, and he's right. Like, he's absolutely right. Well, Sean Miller, Miller says he didn't cheat, so let, we'll take his word for it. Didn't he have a like, goodbye the There's last some home game? Stupid like, people.
1: Grab the mic and kind of said goodbye to the fans. There's knowing some really something was stupid coming.
0: people out there who just went to bat for Sean Miller and and just gave him the benefit of the doubt for no reason. Uh, that does it for for this part of the show. We'll have Tommy back uh, coming up in a little bit for today's business. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one next on Orange Nation.
3: Jumper on the way. Good.
0: Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey, a touchdown. If that's not on every
1: highlight show tonight, then I I don't know who's watching. Howard oh! Oh! soaring through the
3: air, high flying Slovakian.
0: Screen pass here, he'll get one, and he stays alive, but he's got room to the ten. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown,
3: Syracuse.
0: And for Syracuse. Party time. The upset pulled by the orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. Battle. the penetration. Step back.
3: Oh. A pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with stephen Fonti and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus.
0: Hour number two of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio, Seth Goldberg, Steve Fonte. We go until two o'clock. Uh 315 437 7644, the telephone number if you'd like to join the show. And Steve, we were talking about this last hour. Let's let's just kind of roll over into hour number two with it. Um, this college basketball corruption thing, the, this FBI investigation into college basketball. How do you think it all ends? cuz you know say what you want about the N- the NCAA and and like I just said in in the last hour they don't have the resources or or the ability to to do this to pull off this kind of an investigation uh but that being said if the NCAA investigators were told some of the stuff that has been said in court this weekend uh there would be quite a few head coaches who never coach another game at, at their school uh Sean Miller included so where does this
3: end? Where Where do you think this ends? That's a great question. Um, I think this ends with a lot of guys losing their jobs. The ones that they have evidence on and the, the specific names that are mentioned. And I think Sean Miller's in a whole lot of trouble and he's probably at the top of the list. Um, I think that ultimately it probably leads to the NCAA changing its rules. And I know that you've been a big proponent of you know paying the players or at least allowing them to benefit off their own image and likeness, and and I think that you know those are going to be difficult conversations to have. So I I don't think it's a quick fix for the NCAA, but if you're asking me like long term, big picture, how this whole thing ends, I think short term a lot of people are going to lose their jobs, and I think long term, I think this will help college basketball because now. For the first time really, coaches are seeing that the risk does not outweigh the reward, that the risk is, you know, I might lose my job. I might never coach again if I get caught. And so that's a big deterrent, right? I mean, if, if you're looking at this, you say, Man, I don't want to turn out like Rick Petino. I don't want to turn out like Sean Miller probably will, you know, end up losing his job here. Um, so I think that will, will be a benefit to college basketball. And I also think that, that the NCAA will ultimately Soften its rules slash change its rules with, you know, how players can benefit financially, um, you know, with, especially with, with football and basketball. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's probably down the road because that's not going to be a quick fix. A lot of people are going to have to sign off on it. There's going to be a lot of, you know, red tape and discussions. And, and we know how the NCAA works, and it, it's always a slow process with the NCAA. But I think ultimately that's the way we're heading.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think this this ends with rules changing. I think this ends with rules changing. Um, just you know the 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 NCAA model kind of blowing up uh, you know getting getting blown up and changing the way we know college sports um uh, you know the the way they are the game is going to be the same players are going to be the same the 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 colors the uniforms the 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 venues the the passion the bands the everything that is all going to be the same um but i think that you're going to be allowed to pay people in in certain ways i don't know that it's you know because and we've talked about this before because of title 9 and and because of um you know various revenue streams at various different schools i don't know that it's going to come straight from uh you know the university to the players pockets or to the players bank accounts but i think that you're that, that this ends with an ability for college athletes to make more money than just their scholarship
3: i think they'll soften the rules change the rules a little bit i also think in order for this to really work, in my opinion, they need to, to have stiffer penalties. The penalties need to be more than, you know what, we're going to take a banner down uh, from, from your gym. You know that Final Four banner you won five years ago? You know, that's coming down. Or, you know, you're going to vacate wins. Um, I think you need stiffer penalties with the coaches and the schools than, you know, just taking banners down or you need to you know in your official media guide you need to put that that game was a loss because you played with an ma- ineligible right, cause, player
0: because that doesn't mean that, that it's it doesn't so matter. dumb
3: so I, I think they need to to soften the rules ultimately but I also think they need to create stiffer penalties if you do get caught and and maybe then you know again they need to find a way and I've talked about this for years I'll go back to baseball and PED use if you if you absolutely want to eliminate PED use or or get it out of the game as much as possible, you need to have the risk outweigh the reward. You need to have these contracts that can be voided if it's a, if it's a PED um, offense, right? You know, I get the guaranteed contracts and I get that the, you know, the players union wants that, but if you truly want PEDs out of the game of baseball, then if you're caught using steroids, then we can void your contract. And then I think then, I think that' that eliminates the the reward for a lot of these guys it does so they'll they'll think twice before they gamble their career and their their money on you know cheating and using steroids. I think the same thing applies to big time college athletics that if if you get caught, you know we're going to soften the rules, make this easier. Try to get you know all the stuff that's that's the underbelly of the sport. We're going to bring it to the forefront. Now and we're going to it's going to be on the up and up. It's going to be out, out in the open. You can do this, this, and this. But if you cheat, if you go
0: beyond that, then
3: you're going to get crushed. Well, and see, here's here's the problem, and, and I'll go back to your baseball example,
0: but the same the same is true in in football, in in college sports. The problem with the idea that you have in baseball, and I I like the idea, it's an idea that I think would be a good one. It would stop players from taking performance-enhancing drugs. People would would stop doing it. The problem is that the other side has to agree to this. Uh, what is the NCAA? Who really runs the NCAA? It's it's the same as as who you know who, who runs the leagues. The commissioners are there, but the commissioners are employees of the the thirty NBA teams or the thirty two NFL teams. Uh, the NCAA is there, but the NCAA is is kind of there at the direction Work the of the the university presidents and athletic directors. So, yes, it would be great to say, hey, we need real penalties on these things. It would be fantastic to say, you're allowed to do X, Y, and Z, but if you go and do something outside of that, then, you know, that's too much. Um, you're going to get punish- penalized and you're going to get harshly penalized rather than, hey, uh, Jim Beheim, you didn't win those 100 games. How stupid is that? We've talked about that. But you need... The schools, the athletic departments, the and and ultimately the coaches to agree
3: to that. Do and you though?
0: Do you need like the, because can in the NCAA, in baseball? Can the NCAA make a rule without without the other side can saying they, yes? Can they
3: levy a fine?
0: They absolutely can. No, but can they? But but to get that in writing and say this is the punishment if can they can they do that without the other side? They, in baseball, in baseball, they can't make a punishment for a drug test without the players agreeing to it. It is
3: part of the CBA. The NCAA has put a rule in place that if if you cheat bad enough, then you know you, you can't coach for whatever it is, five years, ten years. I mean, we've seen that with guys before where they, you know, they have to sit out of coaching. So that in a way you're telling the school, whether the school wants to or not, right, you're saying that, that guy can't coach. But isn't that no But School that, doesn't but have that, to agree to I'm, that. No,
0: but that's not what I'm saying. Hasn't that punishment at some point been agreed upon? Like, like, the the outlines of these punishments have at some point been agreed upon. What the NCAA can and cannot do as far as a punishment. Correct?
3: Um, like at, I, I disagree that with basic, that. At that basic level, hasn't has that how, been agreed upon? How many times do do schools get sanctions and they say we don't agree with those sanctions? But ultimately, they have to live by them. So if the NCAA says that guy can't coach no, for five years, no, no, no,
0: no, no. I, I, I get that. And, and but, but the tools that they have, the actual things that they are allowed to levy as punishment, they have show cause bans, they have game suspensions, they have fines up to a certain amount. Like, like they only have certain tools in their arsenal. Schools don't have to agree with the way they use them, but they have certain tools in their arsenal, and there are things that they cannot
3: do. But my 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 point is, Seth, that those things already exist, and a show cause ban is is extremely uh, detrimental to somebody's Incredibly. career. So if you are, you know, if the NCAA says we're going to put we're going to put it on the forefront now, where everything's going to be out in the open, this is what you can do. But if you cheat you know we're going to we're going to hand down a, a show cause ban of 5 years or wh- whatever the case may be and and that's my point is that the school doesn't necessarily have to agree with that and how often do we see the school say oh yeah okay uh you know 9 game suspension we're on board with that or you know okay the, you know million dollar fine we're okay you with don't. that you, they right they don't necessarily agree with the punishment but they have the ability so to punish you, so, so you're saying so you're saying you the,
0: the actual tools that they have right now are okay, but they need to be used wise. The The punishment tools they have are fine, but they need to be used better, essentially, yeah, is what you're sti- saying.
3: Stiffer penalties, more than just, okay, you know, uh, Louisville got caught, um, you know, providing parties with strippers for recruits. So, you know what, we're going to take a banner down. I'm talking about, like, stiffer penalties. Suspend them for that. Stiffer penalties, right? Right. Um, or, you know, again, the the, the the show cause ban. Like, if you're... Throwing that around. Like Major League Baseball went to, you know what? No excuses. It you know, if you if you get caught, it's a fifty game suspension. Right? I mean, that all of a sudden, that that got some people's attention, right? Fifty games uh, you know, they, they no longer get that that one that, you know, it you get the benefit of the doubt. Okay, you failed a test. Well, we are not gonna tell anybody, just don't do it again. If you do it again, you're gonna get suspended. Now there's a no tolerance policy. I guess that's my point. Is if the NCAA adopts some sort of no tolerance policy, then that's going to make the risk outweigh the reward and that's what you want. Like you you won't take a chance if you're a head coach or you know you'll you'll if you know you get caught and you get and and you would get
0: slapped with a 2-year suspension you're not doing
3: it. And that. you're going to hire guys you trust, you're going to check in a little bit more with your assistants and again, I I realize the head coach can't know everything. The the athletic director can't know everything. But are you going to be more apt to to be in tune with what's going on and how you're getting players and so on and so forth. If if you're ultimately the one that's that's to blame at the end of the day and the finger's are gonna get pointed at you, absolutely. So I guess that's my point is that you need penalties that are really going to be felt by the coaches in the universities if if you want things to ultimately change. You know, allow the play the players to benefit financially to some degree, whatever they, they agree upon. But then if you if you cheat that system the the penalties are going to be harsher like if you truly want to clean up the game i think that's what you got to do does
0: that make sense yeah I, so i my misinterpretation was you, i i thought you wanted new punishments not not what was already used in place to be used essentially what Stiffer you're saying penalties is, what you're saying is you have use, stiff penalties right. they just they don't they, they don't, don't use them. them what you're saying is use the penalties you have in place better
3: yeah. Right, you, up the up the right. fines for the schools, up the suspensions. You know, the the use the show cause band, uh, you know, a little bit more. Don't have don't have such a slow trigger on show causes and suspensions yeah. actually go after people. And then coaches are going to be a little hesitant. Before I do right. do I really want to do this? Because those are real penalties. Taking a banner down, you know, stop It doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't the matter. The fans get upset about that, but it, that does that really hurt the school? I mean, No. Because everybody in the world knows that it it happens.
0: That game happened. Yeah. I watched Louisville win that championship. Right. Exactly.
3: We did. We both watched it. Uh,
0: Let's take a timeout. We'll come back, and uh, we'll keep rolling here on Orange Nation.